The world is ever changing and sometimes we just need a helping hand. Hey, it's one more about the Rama. New apps here, new tech there, it's all very exciting. But it's nice to have something you can count on. Like insurance from State Farm. ¿Tienes preguntas sobre tu seguro? Con State Farm puedes llamar a tu agente o conectar con ellos. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're anything like me, you're booked and busy. From family duties and work responsibilities to catching up on your favorite shows and podcasts. Yes, like Wrestling with Freddie. With me, Freddie Prince Jr. With all the responsibilities we have, it's always nice to have someone in your corner. That's why State Farm is there for you with your auto and home insurance needs, helping you protect the things you love and helping you save money. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. State Farm, proud sponsor of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. It's the Custard TV Podcast. I'm back again on this one. My name is Luke. I run the website, and that's about the only level of running I ever do. It's from thecustardtv.com. Matt is with us. Mo in America land is here as well. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> I, I was late because we had to go out for lunch, and I'm fascinated by what we did because I think it's a very English thing, and... All my years in America, we never did anything like it. Basically, we went around a garden centre, Mo, and had lunch in the cafe there. That is possibly the most British thing that I've done this week. And I don't think you've got an equivalent of it, do you, really? Not that I can remember. No garden centres in the States have cafes attached to them where the elderly wander around eating scones, do they, really? Certainly not in my part of Virginia, but I can't say brunch is certainly a really huge thing around here. Is the garden centre a big thing in America just not generally? Particularly. Well, no. Not particularly. In... Like, no. It is a big thing over, like, you know, we will have garden centres that have got, like, kids' play areas, as Luke said, cafes. You know, some of them have, like, wildlife centers as well so it is a, it quite a big deal it's, it's one of the very sort of british things that we have i suppose isn't it i think as well a lot of podcasts would just start with the tv stuff that people are tuned in for what they don't expect is just this no, it's all, all the, the banter yeah everyone loves a bit but to be fair we're probably one of the podcasts i listen to we probably do the least banter well, but, but perhaps because I just can't converse with Mo on garden centres for too long before he hangs up a call. <laughs> I've had a good week as well, Luke. Thanks oh, go on. Yeah, you've been on no, no, all no. week. No, no, you've been no, no, all no, week. no, you you crack on. We, we've had your your day out, you know. <laughs> go on, and, what and have you done? Mo, no, 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 what? no. Let's just crack on, you know. Nobody wants Mo, to hear my life story. Mo, do you want to know what Matt did in the week? Sure. The, the latter half of the week, I went to my friend who lives in the Peak District, which is a, one of the national parks over here, Mo. And um, we didn't really go out that much because uh, she's on a crutch at the moment. And obviously, we've had a storm over here as well, haven't we, Luke? She's obviously on the peak, so she's quite high up. So the, the, the wind was pretty high. And so we just stayed in and watched all three series of Mum. Not a bad use of your time. And then I got it started on my Mad Fat Diary as well, or as I like to call that line up, the Luke Knowles TV Festival, really. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. Speaking of TV, which is what we will be doing for the rest of the podcast, a mixture of shows this week, I think we can all agree. Channel 5's brand new drama starring Sheridan Smith is called The Teacher, and it will air across four nights this week. We'll be reviewing that, as well as Station Eleven, the HBO Max series, which bizarrely has found its home over here on Stars Play. The After Party has finally landed on Apple TV+. Plus. And there is another show called The Woman in the House across the street from The Woman in the Window, Kristen Bell. No, almost, almost. Oh, I knew I'd get it wrong. The Girl in the Window. Let's do, first of all, bizarrely, it's the big drama of the week and it's on Channel 5. It's The Teacher starring Sheridan Smith in her first Channel 5 drama. This is, by the way, going to be her second of three dramas to be airing in the first part of 2022. Next week, we'll be discussing her in ITV's crime drama, No Return. Sheridan Smith plays a character called Jenna Garvey, who is an English teacher. We see her having woken up in, in a stranger's bed and uh, making her way to school, wearing the same clothes that she wore the night before, trying to make herself as presentable as possible. The twist early on is, you know, you, you would think that she's quite an awful teacher as well, but actually she is. A, she's a good teacher. She cares about her students. She is asked to go for the role of head of English um, up against a, another teacher played by Sharon Rooney, Nina who has a daughter in the class that Sheridan Smith teaches as well. They sort of clash a little bit because she finds her a bit snarky. There's also the PE teacher here, played by Kelvin Fletcher. Jack, who there's a bit of a flirtatious relationship, but he's got a girlfriend. She has this thing every time she drinks, she blacks out. Eventually, she gets the job of head of English. She goes out to celebrate with her colleagues. Then she goes off to this club called the Lazarus Club. There's a group of male students from the school, one of whom is Kyle, who we've seen her interact with earlier on. She's trying to encourage him to go for um, an audition at an acting school or something or go for a play. You know, she hears him do a sort of a line reading. She wakes up the next morning having drunk loads. Can't remember what happened. There's a empty condom packet that she finds. She goes into school. Head teacher says, oh, you shouldn't have come in today. And then she basically gets arrested for allegedly sleeping with Kyle. You missed like a critical piece of information, you know, like. Okay, go for it. No, I was going <laughs> to. No, look, look, look how annoyed he sounds. Look how annoyed he sounds. I was going to say, um, you know, they really do do a good job of, I have to say, setting up the Jenna quote unquote relationship with Kyle because they have at least three different interactions mm. prior to the event at, at, at the Lazarus Club. For instance, she sees him with his shirt off running through the halls, and she comments that he reminds her of an old ex-boyfriend of hers. And then Her first boyfriend, I think she says. Yeah, for, yeah her first boyfriend. And it, oh, so, so you corrected me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. <laughs> see, see how the tables you, keep you've turning. Got be, you've got to be able to, you know. It's like being at Wimbledon for me. You've got to dish it out. You've got to take it as well. 
<laughs> can see it as maybe that there is some sort of attraction, maybe there isn't. You know, you have some of her colleagues, for instance, Nina, see them when they're uh, running lines and when she's giving him a shoulder rub. She sees that as suspicious. Her colleague Pauline makes a comment when the boys are just running through the hallways without with a shirt on and talking about how, how there's all these teen hormones and that how Jenna, you know, maybe she needs to take something to calm her hormones down. So so they do a really good job of setting it up. Setting it up. The thing, though, I am curious about, and, and, and I'm kind of glad that we're delving into spoilery territory, is, is that by the end of the first episode, some of the things that they bring up, it, it themes in, in terms of the notion of consent. For me personally, I think would have made this a bit more interesting. I mean, it's perfectly fine, perfectly well acted and everything. It feels like an arc on Ackley Bridge or Waterloo Road or something like mm. that. But I mm. think what it could have been more interesting, compelling is these notions of consent had this theme been brought to the forefront, because I think that's where they're going with this, would have made me feel a bit more engaged. But and, she can't consent because she's blacked out when she's drunk so much alcohol, is that what you're saying? Correct, yes. Yeah. Because they set up the blackout, and it's just a normal thing where she just constantly had the blackouts. There was a course that, that went poor, uh, when she was supposed to have a date um, with Jack, uh, he was supposed to come over, but I guess his girlfriend, you know, he was busy with his girlfriend, so he couldn't make it over. And then she goes out to Lazarus again. And then the next scene is, you know, she's had another blackout or something like that. So I think they did a really good job there. It was just demonstrably fine. It was one of those things that I don't really, I usually have rather a, a visceral reaction. It's terrible. It's great. There's never something that's fine. This is fine. Sheridan Smith lifts any material she's given regardless of what it is my issue with it and we, we touched upon it i think a couple of years ago when we reviewed the teacher on fx is that our teacher come on oh sorry our teacher yeah uh, would get are... on me if i made that mistake yeah, i wouldn't <laughs> i just let things lie but the thing is that the story the storyline is immediately flawed it has virtually nowhere to go. It's like a he said, she said thing. I'm not that interested in watching Sheridan Smith's character spiral more and more out of control. I'm not that connected to the nice police lady that she met. I think that there's just this story of sex between a student and a teacher is just a flawed idea for a TV show because it has nowhere to go. There's not a lot of ambiguity, really. I, th I think it was fine. It went by quick, but not something I'll be watching over the next four nights. I mean, I agree with what both of you are saying in terms of Mo. I, agree. I, I really enjoyed how much they set up the scene before the inciting incident, I suppose. They gave you quite a well-rounded character in that, yeah, she is quite, not promiscuous, but she does make the wrong decisions. I think they do give you the impression part of that is because her mum died and she has quite a strained relationship with her father. Some of it was pretty on the nose and the, the dialogue wasn't always brilliant. But as you said, like Sheridan Smith lifts it. And I thought Sharon Rooney was quite good as well. You know, they're sort of sniping at each other. There is that ambiguity, Mo, as you said, with the, the feelings that she has. I got them as quite teacher-student, maybe she has got a bit of a soft spot for her. But you saw her with, there was that other girl as well, wasn't wasn't there, who was worried about her not doing extra revision. So you saw her with other students, you know. I think 
that gave you the impression that she was just very supportive of, of her pupils. Where it fell down for me, and I, I, this is where I agree with you, Luke, is once that had happened and she goes back into school and the head teacher tells her, you know, didn't you get my calls, he says. She then gets arrested outside of the school, which I didn't believe at all. They actually tell her what the offences are, not just get in the car, you know, can we have a chat down the station, something like that. They actually, I found that all a bit overblown. You say the nice police lady, Luke. (laughs) Was that sarcasm? Yes. You watch 24 Hours in Police Custody. Yes, The police never act that judgmentally at first, do they? You know, they're asked quite open-ended questions. She seemed convinced that Jenna had done what she was accused of doing. The message that Jenna gets from Kyle at the end, from what we'd seen of Kyle earlier, I did not believe he would have left that message. And as you said, Luke, there's only really two ways around this. It's either she did it, or she didn't do it, you know. Yeah. And, and neither is, is that satisfying, really. I mean, a bit where the mum confronted her and just said, oh, oh you're a pedo. I thought that was awful. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely so it was, awful. for me, it was, a, it was a tale of two halves. I really enjoyed the setup, but the payoff just completely, as you said, got my gander up, Luke. As Mo said as well, you know, she was clearly out of it. So he has actually taken advantage of her, whatever happens. And and then the, there's that bit as well with the police officer when she says, oh, having a bunk up in the toilets. You didn't say the toilets before. I'm like, you know, it just wasn't believable at all. No, because you've done a bit of teaching. In terms of her appropriateness, she kept the door open when she was with Kyle. One of the things they always tell you in your teacher training is never be alone in a classroom with the pupil with the door shut. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't. You would be more suspicious if she had shut the door when they were doing it. The fact that she kept the door open would suggest that there was nothing mm-hmm. untowards going on. And like you say, Waterloo Road at Cleebridge should probably tread these these grounds well. Watch Waterloo Road on my player is basically what we're saying. Before the new Before the new series. It was just a little bit flat for me but I, I don't know what i expected. I, I would cause... agree with you aggressively fine is is what yeah <laughs> and i never say that i'm either it's terrible it's a waste of your time or it's, it's brilliant and i can't believe everyone else is <laughs> but this was right smack bang in the fine box for me and i'm sure people will enjoy it keep beating this drum about i am i'm really curious about whether or not they pivot and go down the consent road especially given the conversations that that society's having certainly if they're bringing up instagram and so forth you can you can go down that that road as well yeah the after party brand new comedy from christopher miller mo you're gonna set this one up for us sure great <laughs> so so the after party as as the title suggests uh takes place at the after party for a uh 15 year high school reunion what the setup is is that uh, a murder has been committed at this after party. The victim is a Justin Bieber-like musician called Xavier. The folks from his graduating class know him as, as Eugene. He uh, plunged to his death at the bottom of a cliff. Life is full of surprises, some good, 
Some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent, you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals. Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está allí. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of FDIC. Tiffany uh, Haddish arrives on the scene. Her name is Detective Danner. She subsequently begins to kind of in a very, I would say, knives out sort of fashion, mm. you know, uh, kind of analyze the scene. We meet sort of the quote unquote suspects who are members of Xavier's graduating class and including uh, Sam uh, Richardson, Anique, Zoe uh, Chow. Zoe I, Chow. I, I, yeah. yeah, Zoe Chow. Yeah, as, as who plays Zoe. <laughs> like um, Baron Hol- uh, Holtz as, as Brett, Ben Schwartz as, as Jasper. And, and so amongst some others, uh, including uh, Lana Glazer as Chelsea. So Tiffany Haddish, in the, in the first episode, the, the primary focus is on Anique. She interviews him and gets a flashback to the actual high school reunion event and kind of see, and, and kind of see things from uh, Anique's perspective. Now, what's interesting about the after party is that each episode is going to be taken from like a different type of television film genre perspective. So in this Mm. one, Anique, it was very much a uh, romantic comedy. Anique has had these unrequited feelings for Zoe, who was his chemistry lab partner when they were in high school. And even the first scene kind of sets this up where he's coming to this, Anique is coming to this reunion in the hopes of being able to finally let Zoe know how he feels and maybe something will start now that she is in the process of getting divorced from Brett. And so um, I would say some really weird sort of hijinks ensue at the actual high school reunion. Anik is doing some karaoke. The song that comes up is very inappropriate, <laughs> which is very hilarious. Yeah. And in, in, in a true kind of romantic comedy moment, we have Anique and Zoe walking or running throughout the school. Anique is fighting sort of this two-front war with over over uh, Zoe with a Brett, her her ex-husband, who is seen as somewhat psychotic, at least from his perspective. And Xavier, who fancies himself, you know, the guy who who now I can have any woman that I mm. choose because any woman that I want because I'm a famous celebrity, Anique, with the help of his friend, and I do put this in air quotes, Jasper, Ben Schwartz, they make their way to 
Xavier's mansion where the after party takes place and the subsequent murder occurs. And that's yeah. pretty much the first episode. And he's he, Anik is already the main suspect. My feeling is I, I liked this and I think it was a good way into the story. I think Anik is possibly, from what we've seen so far, the most likable of the attendees at the after party who who we're going to focus on you know he's like the everyman he's had a crush on this girl since high school um i like the fact he works in uh designing escape rooms i don't know if you mentioned that at all mo yeah no that was brilliant and the tiffany haddish character said i tried to solve the escape room and i couldn't do it even with all the clues and it's just like you the detective It's hard to judge from one episode because obviously I, I know that the setup is every episode films a sli- is, a, is a slightly different style. Yeah. You know, they're told in different genres. This was very much a sort of a standard introduction episode. I have to say for a comedy, it didn't make me laugh. It made me smile. The only laugh I got was the thing, you know, where they're explaining Xavier's rise to fame and him being in the Hall of Notes biopic with Channing Tatum. You didn't like thought, him being in the Hungry Hungry Hippos movie. That's that, going to that happen. That, that will that, happen. That whole thing, I suppose, that sequence. But I, I suppose, you know, we're having to, like, meet all these characters. We don't know much about all of them. It ends with Detective Danner saying, Anit, you're still one of my top suspects. And then he, it looks like he's going to try and solve the murder sort of separately from her. I am going to add it to the list of things that I will watch if I get any time from all my podcast homework. I, I'm interested, for example, in the the Jamie Dimitri character, who's uh, Walt, who no one can remember. I thought Tiffany Haddish was really good, and I liked her interjections into the story every time it came back to the present. She's a good anchor to have, being the one interviewing all these separate characters who we'll meet throughout the course of the series. So I will watch at least a couple more because I I get the impression that every episode is different. I mean, you mentioned uh, Christopher Miller. Um, He's obviously known for collaborations with Phil Lord. They did the Jump Street films. He's known for the Lego movie. I can see that Phil Lord is involved in this as well, but it is Christopher Miller who has created it and I think has directed it all so it's got that sort of quirky style the sort of insidery things that they're known for you know the you know I don't know if you've seen the Jump Street films but it's got that sort of feel to it that it is sort of heightened but not to a ridiculous extent so yeah I am gonna carry on with it but I I felt it was a little on the average side this first episode I would disagree I I watched the the, because Apple put out three on Friday, and I think you know there's a reason they put out three because there's a nice twist at the end of three, which I wasn't expecting, which I won't spoil here. I thought it was really charming. That first one, as you both said, sets it up really well. Then the second one is Brett's story, Zoe's ex-husband. It takes on more of an action type role, and you find out more about him. Then Ben Schwartz is episode three, and his is a musical. There's three great songs in there. And my favourite was called You Only Get One Shot Twice, which was really fun, and it sees all the cast rap, and they have a great time. It's doing something different, and I appreciated it every turn. The entire cast is really likeable, and that's right. Sam Richardson is a, is a great first entry point to the to this series. But I think all of them are really likeable. It's clear they're having a great time, and it was just 
fun to watch. Tiffany Haddish is really good in this. I know she's gone on to do movies that I haven't really paid a lot of attention to, but she's really, really fun in this. I am properly intrigued by the central mystery because every episode adds another layer to the story and there's some more ambiguity there and there's a twist, as I say, at the end of that third one, which which I wasn't expecting, which is very interesting and puts another slant on things. I think everyone in this is really charming. The fact that they get a new sort of genre to play with means that Christopher Miller can play to the actor's strength in their particular episode. That's why Ben Schwartz is all uh, musical-based. I think it's really fun and something that people should look out for. And another reason why I'm excited by the Apple TV Plus slate this year, because I think they've got some really, at least interesting-sounding new drama and comedy coming this year, and I really found this really enjoyable. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I will certainly continue on with it. This has a very built-in audience if you're fans of Lord and Miller. You know, Last Man on Earth, they're, they're old Fox series. Again, their films, the Jump Street films. I think if you're a fan of their work, because they have a following, mm. and given the cast that's in this film, I mean, a lot of them have done films, obviously, have done a lot of these smaller cult shows with cult followings and so forth. I think you're, you're, you have a built-in audience right mm. there. I think this is part of this whole Knives Out phenomenon. Um, like, I we're only so, in the yeah. building. This... Mm. I think it spins from... What I I would say to... No, just to Luke's point, I think it's it's different enough from Only Murders because Only Murders was sort of more about those sort of true crime things where this this feels more like an Agatha Christie, like a Knives Out, you know, that that all these suspects are together. Who is the killer out of all of these people? Whereas Only 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 Murders was over a period of time... And we didn't really have that list of suspects. It's slightly different format. What did you think of the tonal shift, Mo, in episode two? That's Brett's episode. It's more of an action thriller type thing. Did you enjoy that? Because it made me more sympathetic to the character, actually. Yeah, actually, and it did. My impression of Brett changed from episode one to episode two, which I think is the nature of this. Of this, Because it, it's clear, based on the first episode we kind of get sort of these broadly sketched character tropes for each of the characters like character descriptions Mm. and so forth and i think that each character getting their own particular episode with a specific genre that builds on that makes a lot of sense i think it was a lot of fun i i really enjoyed it the after party it is on Apple TV Plus, and as we said, it's going to be eight episodes with with the first three landing on uh, Apple TV Plus. This is the first year as well that they're sort of making plays with some of their films for Oscars. You know, they've got Coda and and the Macbeth film with Denzel Washington as well. So, and, and they're almost establishing themselves as the new Netflix in so much as you know Netflix used to be the place where you've got the creative freedom. And actually, I think Apple are making the more interesting shows, the more intriguing shows. And even like crowd pleasers like Ted Lasso, but the ones we're getting like this year and we're getting quite a few in in quick succession, aren't we, that are coming up, they all seem very original, very different, very distinctive, I think is the word. So I think they're doing well in terms of, but as you say, if if it is just that, is there an appeal for you to pay however much it is a month? Would you ever consider being what they call in America a cord cutter, Mo? 
You know where you just live off streaming services and you don't. I am a poor cutter. Ooh. You sounded. You like, sounded like you were afraid name, to my say name that. Is Morris Walker and I am a cord cutter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've been for a number of years. Um, can I yeah. can I be cheeky? You don't have to give me an exact sure. figure, but how much do you reckon you're saving a month? I pay my internet, and then the services I pay for, and then we have some family streaming services you know with other family members we share i know i'm saving just people i've spoken to who i know who still have basic cable at least a hundred maybe a hundred and fifty dollars at the very least a month because in my area i'm kind of limited we only have like one cable provider that we can get which is yeah yeah yeah, Yeah, in in my area And, and so i know based on conversations i've recently had with people who are older who subscribe and had the movie cha- like HBO and Showtime and those plus DVRs and and it's it's it really really up. yeah it adds up but i've been a cord cutter for a number of years because i can get my local terrestrial channels my big four networks NBC ABC CBS and the CW i can get that with a digital antenna so and between, what streamers are you subscribed to like uh, Netflix I have Apple. For now, it's free because of my phone, but at some point, yeah. I have to make a decision in the next few months. I get Hulu. Um, my partner, she pays for Amazon, HBO, HBO Max. HBO Max and Peacock. I mean, they're just so Well, see, many. we don't. We use the free Peacock. now, And actually, we do have a family member who has cable. So if we want to use the paid tier, we can use their info. So what do you Disney find Plus, you watch the most? I would say... It's a cross between HBO Max and Netflix uh, mm. and Hulu. It, it varies. Disney Plus has these ebbs and flows just yeah. because of the content on there. Well, we're quite lucky because we get an equivalent of Hulu part of Disney Plus. So Pam and Tommy, which is on Hulu next week, is actually on our Disney Plus, which is going to send a lot of parents into meltdown, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> If little yeah, Gemma just... wants to watch Frozen but clicks on Pamela Anderson's face instead, they could have a huge conversation in that house. Do you feel like you're missing anything by being a cord cutter? No. When I go visit some relatives who have cable still, when you get past the basic channels, it's a lot of repeats. Even those channels which used to pride itself on having a lot of originals, they've cut back to yeah, repeat. They, they haven't got the budget now, have they? For... No, because they're, they're, their parent company is taking that money and then dumping it into the streaming. To me, there's no reason to pay for cable when a lot of those basic cable channels are showing repeats of things that are either just on stream or... Yeah, it's illogical. And, and the only thing I think saving them are like live sports. And yeah. event programming. But it, Peacock's going to have all of the Olympics, isn't it? So yeah, and, and so but, and I'm not sure how much you all know about this, but Peacock with the Summer Olympics when <laughs> it was supposed to come out in 2020, that was going to be the launch pad for uh, Peacock. They were going to use the Olympics, and then COVID hit, and then it just screwed up their launch. And I yeah. think Peacock really has not really recovered from that. But it is interesting that this time they're going to have everything just on Peacock. You know, I'm probably going to utilize that. Uh, <laughs> that... So the only one you don't have is Paramount Plus. Yeah, any Paramount. Way, it just because nothing interests you or because of price? It's got to be a cutoff point, hasn't there? It's really? got to be cut off. And I can 
probably friends. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. When I need to get that stuff. It just In that case, to... you should say it with more pride. I'm Mo and I'm a proud cord cutter. None of this is turning up at CC Anonymous. It's actually, <laughs> you should be proud to be it. Okay, now, Station Eleven is a big HBO Max series that, through reasons I'm not entirely sure of, is available on Stars Play over here in the UK. I imagine that's because nobody was in great uh, desire to buy a drama that centres around a global pandemic that, in this case, wiped out nearly 99.9% of Earth's population. It's based on a novel that came out in 2014 of the same name by Emily St. John Mandel, and it goes across 20 years. The first timeline sees Himesh Patel and his relationship with a young girl, Kristen, who is orphaned by the pandemic. He takes them to his family's house as the news of this awful pandemic starts to become something to worry about. This first episode, at least, does feel eerily similar to what the world has been experiencing. Himesh Patel's character's sister is a nurse, and she's telling him that it's very serious, the news aren't reporting it to the same degree, and that you need to keep everybody safe, you need to go inside, you need to have as much food together, and when they go back outside again, it's a wasteland, and it is just uh, Kristen... Kirsten. Not Kirsten. Kirsten, sorry, I'm always doing that. I am always doing that with that name. Kirsten, pl- Matilda Lawler, by Matilda Lawler, who 20 years in the future is played by Holton Catchfire's Mackenzie Davis. The second episode sees Kirsten in her new role, and she's part of a group of travelling musicians and performers that go around Lake Michigan, and they're a community that performs Shakespeare and music a sort of a really tight-knit community that she has brought together. You know, and I asked the guys if they wouldn't mind watching the first three because it's a strange show. It's strangely structured, just a very odd beast because you think you know what you're getting in the first episode with this 
as I say, eerily familiar pandemic, then it switches to this travelling band and, and group of actors travelling the wilderness and performing, and they're sort of famous and they're infamous. They're called the Travelling Symphony, Luke. It's just a strange show, and I was fascinated to talk about it because the reviews I read prior to seeing it were really, really positive, and I wondered what your experience was with it, Mo. I agree with you. It was a very strange beast. And I did enjoy, really enjoyed the first episode and the third episode. You know, I, I liked a bit of Hamish Patel. You know, I got yeah. a lot of love for, for Tan Wabasu. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. I would just say EastEnders again. I love it when you say that. You normally go EastEnders like that. EastEnders, yeah. Yeah, yeah we love it. that. So I got a lot of love for him. The first episode really did a really wonderful job of giving you what was going on at the beginning of, of the pandemic. And isn't it fascinating that I enjoyed that as well? Because you think we'd have fatigue. You wouldn't think we'd like to watch that sort of thing on screen. But for some reason, I enjoyed it. I don't know what that says I, about I me. think because they show it, you didn't see all these people rushing and rushing about. No. It was one person's story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, I think that's what it was. I think if you just seen all the mass hysteria, and I know you saw it, there was that one scene in the hospital with the sister... Because we saw, just saw the Himish Patel character and, and the young Kirsten. And, you know, there was the scene where he went into the Best Buy or whatever it was, the, the, the store, and just got, you know, trolleys and trolleys full of supplies before going to his brother's apartment. Yeah. It was very much that human story rather than the bigger picture, and I think that's possibly why. Um, Mo, what did you think when it transitioned then and Kirsten's older? What I struggled a bit with was probably, and I understood the older Kirsten, Mackenzie Davis's version, channeling that grief, channeling the trauma of her younger self into her acting. I got that. I think mm. part of my problem was where they left off the first episode, I was so invested yeah. in whether or not Javine and young Kirsten were going to make it to the cabin that I wanted to know what happened yeah. with them. In my mind, it should have more linear instead of the 20-year jump to 2040. But that said, I liked the fact that kind of getting the, continuing this kind of quasi-mystery element, sort of mystical element of whether or not this was sort of preordained and was that Station Eleven graphic novel. Because the, just... the, the title comes from a graphic novel, which people are obsessed by kirsten is obsessed with and that yeah. third episode was was again did, really jarring did, did, did you, you mention that? that kirsten was was a young actress and it starts with the death of the actor on stage mm, yeah arthur the himish patel character when it starts is watching a play is king lear the lead actor who is arthur um has a heart attack and he, he's the first person to spot it he doesn't really know what to do, but he is backstage, meets Kirsten, and, and through different events, she ends up being his ward. They can't get her parents, they can't find her chaperone from the theatre, and that's how that relationship begins. Mm. And then, as you mentioned, it goes back to Arthur and Miranda, who's his first wife, who has written this um, Station Eleven. She burns it when they separate and then rewrites it just before his death and even with you going through the specifics of the third episode i think my my issue with it and those who like it are really 
passionate about it, which is the one thing that's making me think I should pursue it. But it just felt like three different shows. There wasn't enough connective tissue. Did you find that, Mo, or not? Is that just my issue? Well, what to me, one in three. There was the connective mm. tissue because in the third episode, Miranda, we, we kind of get the flashback to episode one from Miranda's perspective where she goes to see Arthur the night before he, uh, he dies and she meets meat at a loose word, but Kirsten's right. Key or Kiki, as they like, we were calling her at one point, uh, was in the room backstage with him. Narratively, you get that. Plus, Miranda followed uh, uh, Kirsten on, I believe, his Instagram. So, yeah. so I can kind of see those those connective threads there between one and three. I think it demands a lot of the audience's attention, and is it demanding too much from them? I think is the question. That Luke, yeah. uh, do you, is that what you're saying? You know, they're it's sort of yeah. It, is it the, just the, the jumps as you were saying, Mo? You wanted it to be more linear. Part of the reason, as you say, you were intrigued in the story. They start in 2020. We have that first episode. You know, they say year two when Kirsten first meets Laurie Petty, who was in this as the mm. the leader of the. Nice to see uh, her back doing something because she was a big 90s icon, wasn't she, Laurie Petty, mm-hmm. tag girl. And she's the blind co-founder of the Travelling Symphony. We see her when she's a young girl having adapted these survival techniques. And then we see that in the Mackenzie Davis. Actually, Mo, I think I I really like that second episode. Oh, did you? I, I that, think part, that fascinating. I certainly preferred it to the third episode. I found the third... I don't know. I, I just struggled with those characters a little bit more in the third episode. I liked Mackenzie Davis's performance. I thought she was excellent. You know, you could see flashes of the young actress Matilda Lawler in her. It was such a physical performance because mm. she was always on edge. And obviously at the end, she she cut someone's throat at the end. <laughs> yeah. So more yeah, yeah. You know, she is very territorial and she's very protective of this family that she's found, you know, and, and there, there are bits, I, I believe, that later on where there's more connective tissue. You know, we flash back to bits from the second episode. We do get bits of Himish Patel. The third episode is almost standalone. You know, it's almost like we are leading up to the events of the start of the first episode with with Arthur's death. It was certainly the mo- I, I think it was the most intriguing thing we've yeah, watched. It's this- inv- it's inventive. It's clever. Mm. I just don't know if it's I- too inventive and too clever. Mm. <laughs> Some of the things that it would be comparative to would be heroes. I got flashes of Utopia as I was well. Just say that. And a question I've got is, if this was released 15 years ago, do you think it would be getting a lot more attention and a lot more, you know, articles about, you know, as we talked about last week, you know, theories about what's happening, like a Lost or something like that as well. Well, it you did know. generate those articles mm. in the states when it was on. I don't think it will here. But it, to yeah, these, but I don't. Problems. I don't think I'd heard a lot of it other than from you. You know what I mean? It, mm. it didn't. Yeah have that same massive but like lost had that massive buzz before it came here i think yes if it was on 15 years ago obviously this would have just been on regular hbo and then i would and then you would definitely get the comparisons with lost and i think this would have generated the buzz the problem is this was on hbo max and unless you're familiar with the book i think it's kind of buried which is a problem i think that hbo max has with its properties that are not something that's already known 
and it's also it's, be- it's, yeah, it's more buried here as well because it's on even more of a niche platform too, which is a shame. My other issue is, and I, don't, I haven't really come across this before. Obviously, this is an adaptation from a well-loved book. I don't think it did a good enough job setting up the real jeopardy that they were in, who these people really were. Obviously, we knew Kristen because we'd spent time with her younger self. Kristen! Oh, yeah, we knew her as well because we'd spent time what? with her So too. the jeopardy in this, you mean episode two, the jeopardy that the, the yeah, Traveling Yeah, and, and I've right. watched on and there's like there's this whole other group of people who steal children and stuff, but it's like... These characters know all what's going on. As I felt as an audience member, I was kept at bay mm. and I was trying to like keep notes and not really getting anywhere. I just felt it was all a little bit disjointed. But I always felt like the story they were telling, I was always like a few pages behind. I didn't really know what they were talking about sometimes and it just continues. Usually when you watch something, your knowledge builds from episode to episode and I felt like I was in a bit of a washing machine with this one getting tossed here there and everywhere mo did it make you think you want to continue on or not i'm kind of on the edge about that i was going to answer your question about the jeopardy the jeopardy is survival it is surviving this new situation this i mean particularly for the older folks who remember the pre-pandemic years and what life was like i mean obviously with these different sort of tribes kidnapping people and so forth so i understand the jeopardy and just and just you know, the notion of, you know, for Kirsten, it's it's keeping her found family. It's like, the you know, she's, she can't deal with the loss. I'm going to watch four. I'm definitely going to watch okay. episode four and then make a decision whether or not to watch the remaining six. What about you, Matt? Does it make it onto that ever-long list? Possibly, yeah. I mean, as you say, it is a long list and it's probably going to get longer after this <laughs> week. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I'm with you, but I was certainly intrigued. I don't know whether I just misunderstood or didn't take in the importance of the Station Eleven text. I just didn't get that. Yeah, again, it was a bit flimsy, and I'm not sure how much you are meant to get at that point, apart from, you know, that Kirsten is taking it as almost like her Bible to an extent. There's something about spacemen in there, isn't there? Because... Yeah, because that's who Miranda's visited by in her hotel room at the end of Ep 3, isn't it? The spaceman comes through the door. Mm-hmm. I just felt like either I had missed things that were crucial or they hadn't told me, or maybe I'd interpreted things to be crucial that actually weren't. And I think I'd have had a much easier time and, a, and bizarrely, a more enjoyable time had I spent more time in pandemic land, actually. But I understand that that would be a hard sell for most people. Station Eleven is... I don't know... I wasn't able to find out from from Star's Play whether it's all there or it's up weekly, but it is on Star's Play in some form right now, should you want to check it out. Okay, Matt, the last one, please. So we've got the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. This is the new Netflix series, which is described as, this is from Wikipedia, an American dark comedy thriller streaming television miniseries. It stars Kristen Bell. That's where I was going wrong. (laughs) As Anna, who is a painter by trade. We meet her as she is drinking a large glass of wine, as she often does, staring out of her window. She then shouts upstairs to say it's time for school to her daughter. We then see her in a dressing gown outside the school. The other mums are, oh, you know, are you all right? Is everything going okay? We soon learn that her daughter died three years ago. We then find out that a handsome stranger 
has moved across the street. Neil, played by Tom Riley, who is widowed and has a young daughter. She goes to bring them a casserole and um, faints in the rain. We learn that she has ombrophobia, which is a fear of the rain. Every time she goes out in the rain, she faints. There is a attraction between Anna and Neil, but there might be a dark secret lurking beneath the surface. I watched this with my friend. Yeah, I'm good. I'm fascinated to know what they thought. Well... We both turned to each other and we were really unsure of what the tone was meant to be here. It's obviously a pastiche because there were comic moments. There were comic moments, but I don't think they did a great job of establishing that this was a pastiche. You know, there wasn't enough moments of humour. That mixture for me wasn't there. I did watch another episode, naturally. It is a little bit clearer that there is that comic element. We find out that the um, her ex-husband is an FBI profiler, a forensic psychiatrist, like a, you know, Clary Starling type thing, and took the daughter to work on a daddy-daughter day and left her alone with a serial killer. And that's how the, the daughter dies. It, for me, didn't didn't do that thing which pastiches should do, which makes it clear from the offset. They're also Netflix parodying a lot of the things that they do as well, which sounded a bit odd, because they... It reminded, you know, something like Behind Her Eyes, Luke, which we reviewed. Mm. You know, it's, yeah. it's pastiching those thrillers, even from the title, is very sort of pastiche of, well, of it's, those... It's... There is like the girl on the train, it's sort of mm. creeping. The woman in the window we had recently yeah. as well. Yeah. The example of this, it reminded me of in terms of like the comic version of, of heightened melodramatic thrillers. And um, a few years ago, I don't know if either of you saw this, Will Ferrell and Kristen Wiig did like a lifetime spoof uh, called A Deadly Adoption. Did either of you no. see that? Yeah, um, no, that was a thing. No, and that actually, they did that really well in terms of pastiching the tropes of those things, whereas I don't think they did as good a job here. I don't know if either of you agree. Matt, between <laughs> listening to you and reading the wiki, I have learned so much more about this show than what I got out of the first episode. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the insight you provided me just kind of unlocked something. I wasn't really sure tonally what to take it is well because when i did read the wiki page and i didn't even read it until this morning in preparation for this recording i didn't realize it was supposed to be a dark comedy because i didn't get that in the mm. first which element. is what i'm saying as well i'm the same as you mo you know it didn't establish it as well as it should have done i suppose no there's so much more information in the wiki page than what i got you know you get in that in that first mm. character stuff i did appreciate the fact that I wasn't really sure initially who had passed. You know, it was like, well, did both her husband and her daughter die or what? And then, you know, quickly you learn that it was just the daughter. I did appreciate that in terms of those psychological elements. And, you know, the thing with the birds in uh, that, or the bird in, in the attic. I mean, it was playing on those those types of things. And, and, and I was perfectly fine if it was going down the thriller route i think because they've given us such a ridiculous condition you know i think that's part mm -hmm. of it you know that every time it's raining she collapses i think that again is one of the tropes of this sort of thing isn't it they've all got some condition like i think that woman in the window film with um 
think it was Amy Adams. She couldn't leave her flat. So I think they're, they're sort of playing on that a bit, aren't they? Like almost to sort of, I suppose it goes back to rear window a little bit. I don't think there's enough humor. I mean, it, no, 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 I agree. there's not enough humor in there to let us in on the joke in the first episode. So if that's all you have in terms of the information, it is a turnoff and it doesn't make you want to watch the second episode. But now hearing from you that it's, played more you know a pastiche and so the other thing i should mention as well is that episode two more establishes the plot so we find out that neil has got a girlfriend at the end of the second episode christy bell's character ends up seeing her with her throat slit she believes but again it's raining so by the time she's crossed halfway through the street she faints again her solving that mystery i think will be the rest of the series luke yes i live here too um, <laughs> I don't know what to say about this other than just to piggyback off all your thoughts because my my thing was are these thrillers and dramas so well known that they need this sort of thing? I don't feel like they are but maybe I'm in the minority when I saw the promotional stuff for this I had assumed it would be almost flight attendant-esque where it's really sort of heightened and she thinks she's seen a murder but no one will believe her and I don't even think in the trailer they make it overtly clear that this is a play on what we've known before. I thought it was just a bit of a mess and and the the worst thing you can say about it is that, uh, and you already have, is that the jokes are non-existent and the ones I did spot are just not funny. There, it there was itself. a line that she had as well, like one of her voiceover lines was very sort of, wink, you know, wink. comic pastiche. Yeah, wink, wink. In pastiche, you have got to play it straight, but they almost played it too straight, <laughs> if you know well, what you, I mean. Like, know, like a Leslie Nielsen did it very yes. well. You know, he always had that straight, but there was always that winking to the camera. Which and that playfulness the, that yeah, he had about yeah, yeah. him. And... She, and Kristen Bell, we know she's capable of great things. And I just feel like even she could, you know, we said Sheridan Smith lifted the teacher. She just fades into this. I didn't see any of the happy-go-lucky Kristen Bell I'm used to seeing because the character didn't allow her to be that way. I just thought it was a bit of a mess. I think it's very telling that after seeing this, I could only find three reviews, which is unheard of for a Netflix thing. Kristen Bell has done no press that I could see about it. And Netflix does have this way of surprising people with things that they don't shout about the same happened with Squid Game and that became a massive word of mouth hit. Whereas I think if you watch this with a friend and you turn to each other at the end and said, what was that? Then well, my friend, if more actually, people she do was, that, then they're going to switch off. What I would say is she was quite on edge. Like, at the end, we had to watch something which calmed her down a bit. Crikey. That's why we ended up watching Mouth Fat Diary, because I said, well, this is funny, let's watch this. But it was so odd that it sort of made her a little bit on edge. Like, she didn't really know how to feel afterwards. Interesting. I, I think this is the first objectively bad show of the year. Um, and this year we've had... We've been sport this no, year. No, because you said that about Rules of the Game. This is the first objectively bad American show of the year, then, let's say that. <laughs> I, I, ju- I, just, I just think that nobody took much care. I think the fainting in the rain thing was just silly. I don't know what that was playing off. And you have to like Kristen Bell's character because she's going to be telling people she's seen a murder and no one's going to believe her and you have to be on her side. 
I couldn't care less about her. I couldn't wait for this to end. I didn't find anything redeeming in it. It wasn't funny. It wasn't charming. It wasn't. It wasn't like American Vandal, which was again. It was Netflix mm. playing comedic tribute, if you like, to something that they had made famous. Making, they had huge success with make, making a murderer. Then they decided, let's have a bit of a joke at our expense and do the brilliant. But I, I um, think what they did there is that they you know, moved it to a different setting. So it was just different enough for that yeah. comedy to be there. And and similarly, Only Murders in the Building was yeah. playing off like the True Crime podcast. Here, they are doing a straight pastiche of these pot boiler thrillers, what we call the airport novel thrillers. Yeah. You know, we see so many of them. But again, it didn't have that deadpan performance from Kristen Bell. She was playing it too, almost too straight for yeah. people to sort of realise, like Mo, for example, that it was meant to be a pastiche, a parody of that genre. Uh, that show with that long title that I'm not going to try and replicate. Even that's meant to be a joke. The but... fact that the title's so long is the suggestion that it is a parody because of how long yeah. it is. And they're, they're all called, like you say, the girl on the train, the woman in the window. Yeah. That is your first hint but, but that I this is a parody. That's almost the first mistake it makes. If that's funny to you, then it's only funny once. It's not funny throughout. That is the podcast for this week. A mixed bag, but I would say definitely seek out the after party if you're in need for a laugh. Uh, Mo, have you recorded another podcast with your other podcast friends since we last spoke? We did. We uh, recorded actually two episodes, what we consider our best and worst of 2021. Both are uh, are now available. What was top of your worst? Can you remember? One of my top shows would have been both versions of Ghosts, the right, CBS okay. version and the BBC version. Um, and in terms of best superhero show because we do focus quite a bit on uh, genres uh superman and lois because of the not only the superheroics but also the the it's a it's a pretty decent family family show in terms of family drama where can people find those if they want to listen to more mo more problems mo 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 how do you like it (laughs) that that should be that should be the title of my life so i'm on twitter dr mo 77 podcast can be found at geek confidential there's a twitter page for it um uh, at Geek Confidential. You can also find it on iTunes as well. And make sure you give Mo and his uh, Geek Confidential colleagues a load of five-star reviews on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, assuming, of course, you've done the same in our direction because, you know, it's only fair. Um, oh, well, you know I have. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I wasn't specifically talking to Mo, but if, if Mo wants to give us another five-star... Well, what Mo five. can do is like us on oh. Facebook... I think oh, I have. Done that as we well. have no. Oh, no, I've because... done that years ago. In that case, no. you're dismissed. There's no further homework. There is a new opinion piece similar to some of the others. Um, we're going to have to stop these now, although we do feel very passionate about it. This one is talking about how the broadcasters need to continue to lean into what makes them unique and provide those water cooler moments, those Twitter conversations that get lost when something is dumped you know, with little ceremony immediately on the iPlayer. We spoke earlier briefly about The Tourist, and I've now seen the second-to-last episode, the penultimate one. That was the word I was struggling with, penultimate. And that goes completely bonkers in all the right ways, and I would have loved to see how the Twitter Tourist fans would have responded to that, but that was taken away from me because everybody had seen it 
in early January, and here I, I believe am, like, I believe someone says that in a review that will be on the website by the yes, time this podcast somebody comes out. Somebody might, yeah, and 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 that's big <laughs> tourist pieces on there as well. We've also got reviews of some of the shows we talked about this week, mainly the After Party and Station Eleven, plus reviews of upcoming shows on the way, like like This Is Gonna Hurt from the BBC, and loads of other stuff. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Lucaster TV and at Matt's TV Bites, and visit the website every single moment your eyes are open, please. It really helps. TheCustardTV.com. I'm sure you like us, Mo. Feel free to. I mean, you can unlike us and like us again if you want. I don't know if that's a Facebook <laughs> thing. Speak to you next week. Bye. Bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Deck your home with Blinds.com DIY or let us install Free design consultation Free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high quality window treatments with no showroom mockups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off, plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.